Maybe you ought to sit down. Yeah, we'll sit down. All right, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Lord God, you led your ancient people through the, the, the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 All right, so we are going through a study on free will. Uh, there's five parts. Um, what Pastor Wolfmiller has done here, the guy, we've, we've done a study on him, or we've done a study of his before by going through his book, Has American Christianity Failed? Um, and I thought this would be kind of an interesting one because uh, it, this is actually on, on the Around the Word website. Um, they have, he lumped this together with the teaching on uh, sin, and that was like a three-parter, and then this is five parts. It's like, you know what, I think y'all understand, you know, the problem of sin fairly well, um, and, and, and we've talked about the issue of free will and the issue of, you know, what does man's will do by itself? Can it handle the spiritual things or not? And also like that, but it never hurts to go back through it all and really look at it again uh, and really get it solidified. So uh, I'll just read the introduction and Martin Luther on sin, and then we'll <clears throat> we'll dive in with uh, the opening psalm um, and just go there. Okay. So the introduction: free will has always been a topic in both in both both philosophy and theology, especially when it comes to the place of man's will and salvation. The topic of free will is of highest importance. Um, um, errors regarding free will are constantly pushing their way into the church's teaching. It was no different in the years after the death of, of, of Martin Luther. The theologians of the church gathered up the teaching of the scriptures regarding our will and its freedom and powers. In this series of studies, we will let them guide us to the scriptures and its truth and comfort. So there's different parts of this. So the parts that are not italicized uh, of this study are um, are pieces or are um, are um, excerpted uh, with slight amendments from uh, the formula of Concord, the Solid Declaration. Um, and so, uh, I think it's, what was it? Um, article two, paragraphs two and five through 11. So, um, and that's all, um, in public domain. There are scripture, there are a lot of scriptures in the study. The most important texts are marks, marked with a double, uh, star, you know, to, um, sorry, to, to, it's hard for me to say, um, Asterisks. There you go. Two asterisks. And so we'll kind of highlight on those the most. Um, Martin Luther um, on original sin. He's quoted as saying in the bondage of the will, for here the text applies that Christ and, and 
and the evangelists so often quote from Isaiah, you shall indeed hear but never perceive. What else does this mean but that free choice or the human heart is so held down by the power of Satan that unless it is miraculously raised up by the Spirit of God, it cannot of itself either see or hear things that strike the eyes and ears themselves so plainly as to be, pal as to be palpable. So, yeah, um, we're going to be discussing that portion and surrounding things about that. So, um, so the opening psalm, uh, excuse me, psalm, psalm, 80 verses 1 through 7. So I'll do the uh, unbolded parts and y'all do the bolded parts. We'll just trade back and forth, okay? Um, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead, who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Abraham and Benjamin and Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and give them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. So, a summary. This is from the Formula of Concord, Solid Declaration, as it said there in the introduction. Uh, by the fall of our first parents, man was so corrupted that in divine things pertaining to our, our conversion and the salvation of our souls, he is by nature blind, that when the word of God is preached, he neither does nor can understand it, but regards it as, as foolishness. Also, that he does not of himself draw nigh to God, but is and remains Um, but is and remains an enemy of God until he is converted, becomes a believer and is endowed with faith, is regenerated and renewed by the power of the Holy Ghost through the word when preached and heard out of pure grace without any cooperation of his own. And, and the, the scriptures to support this teaching will be considered through, through these studies. So our will in regards to spiritual things. In spiritual and divine things, the intellect, heart, and will of, 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 uh, of the unregenerate man are, are, um, are utterly unable by their own natural powers to understand, believe, accept, think, will, begin, effect, do, work, or concur in working anything. But they are entirely dead to what is good and corrupt. In man's, in man's nature since the fall, before regeneration, there is not the least spark 
of spiritual power remaining nor present, by which of himself he can prepare himself for God's grace, or accept the offered grace, nor be capable of it for and of himself, or apply or accommodate himself thereto, or by his own powers be able of himself, as of himself, to aid, do, work, or concur in working anything towards his conversion, either wholly or half or in any, even the least or most inconsiderable part, but that he is the servant and slave of sin. Okay. How does that make you feel? Make you feel good? <laughs> Makes you feel good to know that you cannot do anything in regards to your salvation, right? Um, uh, I guess before we get started in the questions, do y'all see a need for this kind of study? Is this, is this important stuff, you think? Yeah, I mean, speaking from my experience, sure. I think it, it is because it makes you humble. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> because I keep telling people, I said, man, when I had the Holy Spirit and first started really, uh, you know, uh, walking with Christ, I was just full of myself. <laughs> and, and it says, you know, when picking the elders and all these things, don't pick somebody newly converted because uh. they're full of themselves. <laughs> they're, <laughs> or, puffed you know, up, yeah. they're puffed up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so you need you need to temper that. <laughs> yeah. And this kind of a study, I think, does that mm -hmm. and humbles you. It, yeah, it helps remind you what it is that God does for you and your salvation. I mean, um, maybe that's, I guess we as Lutherans kind of can be seen as beating a dead horse about this stuff, but it's important because like Pastor Wolf Mueller talks about in um, Has American Christianity Failed? There's a lot of churches out there that don't understand the role of the will in salvation and in day-to-day -day things as far as being a Christian, it's just not something they've really delved into, but they do take for granted um, a certain understanding, or they have this understanding that the will has some role to play in salvation, right? That I've made a decision for Christ or something along those lines, or, or that even if you don't say that, you think to yourself, um, like, man, I must have been a really good person for God to have chosen me to do this, that, or the other, or something along those lines our sinful flesh can kind of creep in and, and, and um, puff us up, right? Exactly. Make us think we are more highly than we ought to be, you know? So, um, yeah, so uh, I was going to say, like, if nobody thinks this is important, we can just wrap this up right now. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 8, verse 34. Uh, and somebody, and uh, so we're going to have a couple... How about on this on this page? I'll go ahead and do as was re as was recommended. Uh, let's have somebody have John eight, and then another person have Ephesians two, and then someone else have Second Timothy two. We're going around in a circle. So Alice, can yeah. you get John eight thirty four? I've already got it. 
have. Oh, you've got John 8? Yeah. Okay, good. Alice, can you get Ephesians 2, 2? And uh, Paul, do you want to get 2 Timothy 2, 26? Yeah. Just have those ready for us so we can just kind of breeze through it a little bit. So John 8, 34, what does Jesus say about those who commit sin? Go ahead and read that for us. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Mm-hmm. So, um... So is a slave free? No. No. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? That, so everybody who sins, and uh, I think in some other translations it may say something along the lines of something like that, that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, right? Whoever uh, habitually commits sin is a slave to sin. So... If we are naturally born sinful now after the fall, uh, according to our flesh, can we do anything but sin? No. 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 We are sinners, right? We are born sinners. That is our flesh. That is our nature now. It is fallen and corrupted. Um, so a slave is not free. We are not free to do anything but sin according to our own power. Right. Um, and then um, it says there's another quotation from the Formula of Concord. Um, the unregenerate is a captive of the devil by whom he is moved. So that leads us to Ephesians 2, verse 2, which you got that for us. Okay. In which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Right. So, and he's talking about, I mean, you can even go back to verse one there when he says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. We're going to see that a little bit later too, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and so forth, and so forth as you read. So who directs the deeds of the unbeliever? Satan. Yeah, the prince of the power of the air is Satan. Yeah, he uh, he knows how to he knows how to move us. He knows how to sway us. And if your heart is not redeemed in Christ, regenerated in Christ, yeah, of course you're just going to kind of flow with the world, right? You're going to flow with what Satan wants you to do. I mean, you've already bought the lie that inherently that. If you're an unbeliever, that is, right? You've already bought the lie that either there is no God or you have a different God that's not the true God. And you obviously, by extension, don't believe in Christ as your Savior. Yeah. So you're just moved by, um, you're following the course of the world, uh, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So disobeying God. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Any questions before we keep going on? You know, we come to church on Sundays. We go through town, come up Atlanta, 
And I see all these people walking the streets, you know, and yeah. I go, why aren't you in church? Yeah. You know, what? maybe you went Saturday night. <laughs> and then I see these little children, that are, I wonder if their parents have been baptized. I wonder if they know yeah. Christ, you know? These are question. just things that yeah. go through my head just driving through town. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's, that, those are holy thoughts, I would think, because I mean, and, and they're sad thoughts on some level because you go, yeah. well, you know, typically people out on Sunday mornings in Fredericksburg, they're, they're visiting. And yeah. so they want to get out and see things and this, that and the other. And, and yeah, but I, I see people, even, even people in my neighborhood, I guess, or in the neighborhoods I drive through to get here, uh, I'll see people out like running or yeah. going for a walk or whatever. And I just go, just, just like, why don't you in church? Go to church. I, I really, <laughs> I really want to like roll down the windows like, hey, yes. follow me to church. Come on. There's a couple miles that way. You get a good workout in. Let's go. Come on. We got water there. You know, uh, I mean, but see. Yeah. It's the same way where I live. Uh -huh. I mean, they always wave at me. So yeah. You know, it makes you want to get out there on that street corner and, and say what Pastor said. Come to yeah. church with us. Yeah, come, you on know, but, come on Come <laughs> on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, but like, like I say, that's a holy thought. You want people to be in church. You, 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 you hate to see them not be in church. And, and uh, it's, it's, really, it's a little tough, though, because you go, well, I don't know them from Adam, and <laughs> they're probably just going to be leaving tomorrow anyways. That's kind of tough. So it's 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 tough here in 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 this town, especially with the the tourists that come through, and you just see everybody's out on Sundays, and you go. Yeah, but the ones that do come to church on Sunday mornings, I am just so proud of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know that they make that effort, even though they're on a little outing. That's little right. Trip. They make yeah. that effort to go to church on Sunday morning. It's really nice. Just, yeah. I'm just. It's really nice to uh -huh. see people show up, get get new people on Sunday, come in and just like, hey, where are you from? We're like, yeah. oh, we're from Wisconsin or the Dakotas or, you know, yeah. we're from um, Iowa or wherever, you know, and you just go, that's really nice. You you know, you're making it a priority. That's just wonderful, you know. Being obedient, that's good. You're not yeah. a son of disobedience. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right? Um now, for the highlight of this section here, uh, we've got the double asterisk there. 2 Timothy 2.26. What does that say? <clears throat> and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Yeah. So how does this verse explain how it is with the unbeliever and the devil? They're captivated by him. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, um, what is it? What did it say again? It said, um... Escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Yeah. They are captive to him, maybe even captivated, I think, too, is a good way to put it as well. That, I mean, go back a little bit there. You know, he's, he's saying, um... Because this is a this is a letter to a young pastor, right? Young pastor Timothy, and going back to like verse twenty four, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. 
God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their, their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So yeah, the snevel, uh, the snevel, the <laughs> devil ensnares them, right? The devil ensnares them. He um, captures them to do his will. Um, uh, and, and so they're, they're, they're helpless. They're like birds caught in a trap or, you know, just some poor, poor creature caught by this predator, right? And we know that from uh, Peter, one of his epistles, he says that your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, right? He's out on the prowl all the time. And so those who are unbelievers, um, they their relationship with the devil is that they're just caught up by him. They do what he wants because they can't help but do anything else, you know? Um any thoughts on that? Any questions? Okay, so uh, the next part of the formula of Concord states, hence the natural free will according to its perverted disposition and nature is strong and active only with respect to what is displeasing and contrary to God. The doctrine of the scriptures is contrary to proud reason and philosophy, yet we know that the wisdom of this perverted world is only foolishness before God, and that, and that, that, that um, articles of faith must be judged only from God's word. For although man's reason or natural... Um, or natural intellect, indeed, has still a dim spark of the knowledge that there is a God, as also the doctrine of the law. Um, so for this one, why don't we all turn to Romans 1.19, because then we have another spot here, and then I'll, I'll, I'll assign more verses to y'all, each individually. So Romans 1.19 and following... That one takes a little bit of time. Romans 1, 19 and following, um, where we see that St. Paul writes, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for, for, um, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So... Um, according to Paul in this verse and the following verses, where can the knowledge of God be found? He's not talking about the Bible, right? That's, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something else. What is he talking about? 
in eternal power and divine nature, um, but have clearly seen being understood since from the what has been made. Yeah, from creation, right? Yeah. That people can look out in creation and just know inherently there is a God. Yeah. When we lived in Colorado, we would go up to the mountains, and those mountains. Rocky Mountains are magnificent. Yeah, they're really pretty. And I would think, you know, if you don't believe in a God, you just need to look at these mountains and see it. It's just, and I mean, just, it, they were just magnificent. Yeah. And even just, you know, looking out your window at a tree growing, you know, That's, who yeah. makes that tree grow? It's, yeah. And the birds and the squirrels and yeah. all of God's creation. Yeah. It's miraculous, right? Yeah. There has to, I mean, for all of this, it can't just have happened by chance. Anybody who thinks that, I mean, I think right. they're, they think that we're dumb by believing that a God created everything. It's just like, how did, you think all this just kind of randomly happened? And if you do the math, you go, that's, it's just one in like billions of chances that this that everything just happened just so and we have intelligent life and and everything just takes care like the the fact that the earth is just far enough and just close enough to the sun that it doesn't freeze or burn up is just amazing you know that that, that god had placed the earth in just the right distance from the sun and in the the um, rotation and all, and, and all this stuff like that. Everything is, is just so masterfully crafted that you right. say it all happened just by chance. You go, that is just absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, it's crazy to think that. Um, so, and, and, and this is like, I think this is a saying that used to be said more often was that God has, you know, God has the book, right? And this is how we know about who he is specifically, his name, what he does for us, you know, how he created the world and things like that. But there are technically two books uh, in how God shows himself to us. One book is, of course, the Bible, but that's the second book. The first book is creation, right? He wrote the book of creation to where you can look out and see that there is some great God who created everything. And, and that's man's natural thought. I mean, it's no coincidence that you have, you know, these other pagans out there that believe in gods or creator spirits or something greater than themselves that said something had to create this, right? This had to come about in some great grand way. And so God, uh, reveals himself in nature and how he takes care of things. Of course, that's also fallen into sin, so it's really cruel out there. Uh, you've heard me talk about that before. But according to St. Paul, in this verse, the knowledge of God can be found in creation, that what can be known about God is plain because God has shown it, that, um, that at the very least there is a creator. Uh, but the problem is, is that people in their foolish hearts being darkened by sin, they look out and they, you know, see the magnificence of uh, like a lion or a bull. And they think, wow, that's really strong and powerful and it's wonderful. And, and obviously 
the God that created everything is a bull or is a lion or some combination of these things or something like that. And that's how you get all these crazy gods with different heads and whatever and attributes that are strong and mighty because we tend to fall for what we see. Yeah. Uh, and that we tend to focus mo mostly on the good of creation as opposed to who the creator is and how good he is. Right. Any thoughts about that? Any questions? All these people that don't go to church that you see on the golf course on Sunday, they, they, they tend to say, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in nature. I'm here in God's creation and enjoying, you know, the, the creation, not the creator, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much what they're saying. Uh, it's but, kind of funny. You know, even a... though they they may not believe in God or worshiping in church, their excuse is God made all this, so I'm really right. You know, he wants me to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fine. You should enjoy nature, right? You should you should, you should get outside from time to time. Um, but it's really funny, it's guys who go to a golf course and they go, "I'm enjoying God's creation." It's like. This is curated, man. This is like created by a man, well, yeah. bulldozers, and like they planted turf and grass and, and all this stuff. It's, it's like you're, you're enjoying the sun. And yeah, of course, God takes care of the grass and the trees. And, but this is all manicured. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. But also, I remember hearing this one, this one song. Um, it was kind of like a bluegrass song. Um, I forget who did it now, but it was back when I was... Uh, in school, um, not seminary before that. And I thought, I was like, well, that's kind of a neat song. And it was a song where like the woman who wrote it, her dad apparently didn't go to church or something like that. She knew somebody who didn't go to church. I can't remember what it was, but he didn't go to church, but on Sundays he would go out in the field, you know, or in the forest or whatever. And he would say, I'm in my blue sky cathedral. And, uh, and so it's, it's kind of this interest. It was a really pretty song, you know, I'm in my blue sky cathedral. I hear the choir of the birds and stuff like that. And I thought, well, that's really pretty. I said, and yeah, but you're only seeing half the picture, right? And that's, what's really sad about that is that he only saw half the picture and that he was actually actively disobeying God and the, which commandment, remember? The third commandment, right? Worship. Remember the, the Sabbath, Sabbath day, day by keeping it holy, holy right? Yeah. yeah. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Yeah. So uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy means that you go to where God, you know, God can be found in nature, but you also go to the place where he is promised, you know, expressly to be found in his word and his sacrament, right? To where you can go and, and yeah, look out or like have his creation shine in because of the sun through the stained glass, ideally, right? And you see the beauty that that is, and then also hear of the beauty of God and his salvation. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I, whenever I think about that song, I'm like, that's actually really sad. That's a really sad, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very really sad. sad song. <laughs> it used I mean, to be kind of cool, but now it's Yeah, it's kind of neat, but now I'm like, uh, 
I'm not quite sure that was the best thing to do, buddy. Uh, actually, I'm very sure that wasn't a very good thing to do. Um, but yeah, go out and enjoy God's creation. Uh, and, and, you know, but know that also God's creation, and I'm getting a little off track here, but it's kind of nice to talk about these things. Um, know also that God's creation was created, um, I would say secondarily for your enjoyment, but primarily to give glory to God, right? That when you see a beautiful sunset, you say, that's wonderful. I'm enjoying this, but look at how much glory that gives to God. That's the really great thing. And that's what the Psalms talk about, that the stars proclaim the glory of God. I think I heard this years ago, too, that um, in Scripture, that there's, there's, I forget which Psalm it is, but it says, you know, the heavens declare your glory, right? And then, and, and people thought, well, how can they actually declare God's glory? And then later on, science has confirmed that um, actually the stars in the sky, like the stars way far away, send out pulsars. And they send out this something akin to a radio wave, um, uh, a radio frequency um, signal. And it's just, I thought, and so that person who heard that is like connected the dots and said, wow, the stars actually do proclaim God's glory. They're sending out a radio frequency wave, uh, you know, saying, know God, you know, big, and, 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 you know, they may say like, what are they trying to tell us? It's like, well, they're saying glory be to God on high, you know, it's like, seriously, that's kind of a neat way to think about it, right? You hear these things happening in science, like, oh, we found out that, that, that stars can transmit this radio wave to us. And you go, yeah, because they're saying glory be to God. That's what the Bible says. Okay. Anyways. Um, there was a, there's another saying that says prayer is the first wireless connection. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like that. That's the sign I have in the guest house. I know. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. Oh, that's yeah. cute. Yeah, that's good. All right, so we have creation, uh, uh, you know, the basic knowledge of God can be found in creation. So, going on to the next part of the formula of Concord here, it's quoted, uh, Yet man's reason is so ignorant, blind, and perverted that when, that when even the most ingenious and... Uh, that even when the most ingenious and... 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 and learned men upon earth read or hear the gospel of the Son of God and the promise of eternal salvation. They cannot from their own powers perceive, um, perceive, um, apprehend, understand, or believe and regard it as true. But the more diligence and, 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 uh, but the more diligence and earnestness they employ, wishing to comprehend these spiritual things with their reason, the less they understand or believe. And before they become enlightened and are taught by the Holy Ghost, they regard all this only as foolishness or fictions. Okay? So they're trying to understand by, by their reason, primarily. You know? Um, 
Let's 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 divide these texts up. Um, Diane, I don't think you got one yet, right? Nope. So get First Corinthians two fourteen. Um, let me see. Alice, since you have First Corinthians already, you'll get First Corinthians one twenty one. Um, and then Peggy, if you'll get Ephesians four verses seventeen through nineteen. Paul, you get Matthew thirteen eleven through twelve. Um, and then I'll get Luke eighteen. I'll I'll get those last two, Luke eight eighteen and Romans three. Okay. Um, so First Corinthians two fourteen. What does what does that say? Not yet. <laughs> okay. I give you a little bit of time. I'm gonna flip there myself, and I'll just kind of. Two fourteen. So First Corinthians two fourteen. Okay. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually disconcerned. Uh, because they're spiritually discerned, right? Discerned. Disconcerned is a Dis little bit different. <laughs> yeah, <discerned. laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, so what are the limitations on the natural man towards God? Um, notice that Paul speaks both about action and capacity. Uh, it does not and it cannot receive the things of God. So what are the limitations on the natural man towards God. Probably not to believe. Yeah. In God. Mhm. Mm yeah. I mean just that's just his their natural instinct is just to not accept Not to accepting. Yeah, they just don't get it, do they? The Holy Spirit's got to come inside yeah. of him That's to, right. to help him accept. Uh huh. Yeah, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God because they're what? What are they to him? They're mysteries. Well, they are mysteries, but to the natural man, what are they? What? Uh, so for the things of so the things of the spirit of God, what are they to the natural person? What does he say? For they are folly to him. Yeah, they're folly. They're foolishness. Folly. It does. It's just ridiculous, right? I mean, how many times? Uh, it's kind of become a trope at this point in time. You hear these people on the internet. In fact, Christians are really, I'm glad, really pushing back against these ardent. Um, hardened um, atheists and they'll say like, you know, um, they'll like mock them in some ways. And you know what? Atheism on some level should like just those, those who are so, um, I'm, I'm talking about those who are so hardened, right? That they are hostile toward Christianity. We should really kind of mock them a little bit because it's just, it's just so ridiculous because they'll say, they'll say things that amount to basically, you know, uh, and this is how it's mocked, because it just makes it sound kind of dumb. They'll say that, you know, Christians will mock them by saying, um, if bad things happen, why not? It's like, if God, why bad things happen? You know, they just like word it so simply. If God, then why bad things? It's like, that's, that's just as, it's like, why? If God, which is basically what they say, if there was a God, why would all these horrible things be happening? And you go, 
Well, obviously you don't understand. You don't accept the things of the Spirit of God. because, And, and of course it's foolishness to you. You don't get it. right? You can't discern these things. Um, and, and they'll be hostile to Christians by saying, you know, oh, you believe in this magic mystery man in the sky. He's just looking down on you. And you go, um, okay, yeah, I guess so. But it's more than that. And for you to, in fact, by you characterizing my, like my faith as something so ridiculous and stupid, it kind of shows you to be ridiculous and stupid. You know, it's just like, you think it's so simple. It's not. It's not that simple. There's so much more there that you don't see and really you don't want to see on some level, right? Um, not that we should just go out mocking people all over the place, but there are people online who hide behind a screen and a keyboard who just type in things about, uh, about, about how there's not a God or whatever, and you go, great, you did research for five minutes and wound up on a weird website that told you everything about why you shouldn't believe in God. Congratulations. That's like the laziest way of finding out anything ever. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the way some people are, right? That to, that, that to them, and not just some, but a lot of people, they may not say it, but they, but they pro probably believe it, that the, the, the things of God are just foolishness. They're not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned and, they're, and they are spiritually dead, right? As we saw before. Um, so then there's 1 Corinthians one twenty one. What does that say? For sins. In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So, does the world's wisdom know God? No. No, no. no. it does not. We have a lot of wise people that came before uh, that came that came before us before the establishment of the church as we know it now, right? I mean, I mean, technically Christianity has been in existence since the world began, right? The the people of God have always been looking out for Christ, right? Uh, and then he came in the person of Jesus, right? And, and But like Christianity, so I, I won't say, you know, before Christianity was a thing. No, Christianity has been since the world began, right? Since the very beginning. We just have, like, all the people in the Old Testament are just Old Testament Christians, yeah? Um, without the full um, revelation that we have now. But I will say that, like, in the old days, during the Old Testament Christians, um, you had a lot of, like, Greek philosophers that were very wise in a lot of ways. You read closely to what they say and you go... This is kind of silly, but, you know, uh, in the very least, like uh, the philosopher Socrates, you've probably heard of him before, right? He was quoted as, it, 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 was, it was known that, you know, the pagans would go to these temples and they would ask the, the priests there or um, the prophets there that they had. One person asked, you know, who is the wisest man that's alive? And... Um, and um, the oracle of Delphi said Socrates is the wisest man. But Socrates at the time was saying, um, 
The only thing that I know is that I know nothing. Right. That's pretty wise. That's pretty wise, yeah. I mean, that's Boy, that's ten minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just go. You know, the only thing I know is that I know nothing, and you go, "Wow, that's very profound, very interesting." Um, he was wrong on a lot of things, but on that sort of things, like, "Well, it's very, very interesting stuff." That is a very wise saying, but he didn't know God, right? He was a pagan. Um, in fact, I'm not sure if he really believed if he took too much stock in even the Greek gods all that much, you know, not to my knowledge anyways. So, um, the world's wisdom does not know God. And therefore it's very interesting that Paul does say, St. Paul says, you know, it pleased God through the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe because it's foolishness that God would triumph through death, right? That, he would die and be raised from the dead. To the world, what's triumphant is that you conquer and you live and you don't die. But it's foolishness to hear, it was foolishness to the Greeks at the time to hear about how you say that our Savior died and conquered death in his death. And they go, whoa, 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 whoa hang on a second. That's just, that's, that's a bit too much, right? That's too far. That doesn't make any sense for what we understand because what they understood was according to their own thinking and their own wisdom that they had discerned for themselves, right? So the world's wisdom does not know God. Um, the only way to know God is through the foolishness of preaching the gospel, yeah? And it's only foolishness to the world, okay? Now, how about Ephesians 4, 17 through 19? Unless... Unless anybody has anything about that, you want to add anything about First Corinthians, real quick, before we go on. Sorry to back and forth on this. Okay, how about if, so Ephesians four? So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sens sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Yeah, okay, so... Um, these verses describe the state of the mind, will, and heart of the unbeliever. How does Paul describe the unbeliever's capacity? What does he say? And you just read it, but tell me again. <laughs> so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mm -hmm. thinking. Yeah. They are, yeah, so they, they are, are darkened in their understanding mm -hmm. and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Uh -huh. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Yeah, so they are... Um... They are futile, the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. 
um, estranged um, um, or um, um, alienated from the life of God. They are ignorant, right? Hardened hearts. That's right. Hardened hearts, calloused, um, giving themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It's this is so. so um, the unbeliever's capacity is just in a negative, right? There's no positive there. It's all just negative. It's not even neutral, <laughs> right? Because if you had a, if you had. If you had a, a spectrum here where you have like this line of you like just like here's here's like neutral, right? And then here's positive and the negative. I mean, I would say that man is just all over here. They're not even any like they're not even at the neutral point. It's all in the negative. Um, nothing that they do can even get to get close to the point of knowing the things of God, um, which is highly pitiable, right? Um, and very, very sad and desperate. Um, because how many people think that they are in the positive column spiritually? There's probably a lot of people who think that. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the positive column. You go, okay, well, are you a Christian? No, I don't really believe, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Or they might say something like that. I practice spirituality. You go, oh, okay, well, let's, let's, let's see what God's word has to say about that, right? But it's really sad that most people don't, a lot of people don't think that way. Um, so they're futile, darkened, um, hardened, callous, all those things. Um, Matthew 13, verses 11 through 12. Who has that again? Yeah, I do. Okay, Matthew 13. I want to read 10 because I didn't get it with just reading 11 and 12. Okay, yeah, sure. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Okay. Yeah, so um, what does this tell us about the ability of the unbelieving mind to understand the Word of God? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. Um, it's impossible with man, right? Um, that he says, uh, so what is it? I mean, it's not really implied, but it's very direct. Jesus says, to you it has been given, right? Not, you worked so hard and attained the knowledge of the secrets of God, right? He says, to you it has been given. Yeah. And um, to them, those who do not hear who do not see, it has not been given. Um, and then he, and then that's very I, that's kind of a scary thing when he says, "For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away." 
Yeah. So that is to say, even what knowledge they think they have in the end, that'll be taken away from them too. Yeah. Uh, for whatever it's worth. Um, so that's a warning, right? Um, so it tells us about the ability of the unbelieving mind to understand the word of God that you can't. It's not been given to them because faith is a gift, right? Any any thoughts on that? Any questions? Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. Yeah? <laughs> What's your thoughts? Well, the Holy Spirit gives it to them, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay. And the Holy Spirit is given by the Father and the Son. Right. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, I guess, I don't know what my question is. It's okay. It's kind of a hard thing because when... But why doesn't he give it to everybody? Yeah, that's why a good question. Why doesn't God just give the Holy Spirit to everybody mm -hmm. and open their eyes and their ears? I guess because it's free will. Well, Maybe that's a, he does give it to them and they yeah, just don't yeah. accept it. Right. That's correct. So I think, yeah, that's 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 really what it is that we we as Lutherans, really not just Lutherans, we're just Christians that believe what the Bible says about this, that it's going to be mind-boggling to us um, when it comes to God being all-powerful. Right? God is all-powerful. So we think to ourselves, why wouldn't he just give it to everybody? And it is that he does give it to everybody. He offers it. It's a free gift. But if you, it's basically like, you know, you say um, on Christmas or something, or your birthday, um, someone gives you a gift and you're more concerned about this big giant box with a bow on it than you are about the small box that's off sitting in the corner, you know, even though this one is something really nice. But that one over there is salvation and life everlasting, right? But you're just like, that's not that important. It's not that big of a deal. You know, someone gives it to you and you despise it by saying, I don't really need that, right? Um, and, that's, and that's how our minds see the gospel by themselves as sinners. That it doesn't, it doesn't there's, there's only so far we can go because to go so far into God's thinking is to try and pierce the, the hidden will of God. And that's not given for us to go into. But we, what, what we can say is that God, um, in eternity, and hopefully, hopefully I'm getting this right, um, in eternity he has chosen all of us to be saved. But in time, not all of us are. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in eternity, he has predestined us all to be saved, but in time, not all of us are because if we're not, then it's because our sinful flesh just doesn't want to have anything to do with the things of God. Um, and so he desires that all men be saved, right? But his desire is not... Um, is not uh, totalitarian in the sense that he forces you to believe. Uh, the free will you have is the only thing your will can do by itself is reject the gospel, right? So basically what that means is that um, 
the only person that gets credit for your salvation is God. And the only person that gets credit for your damnation is you, right? Because that's how it works. And that's as simple and as plain as I can put it. We, God wants all people to be saved. He, he died, Christ died for all people, for all men, right? And women. He died for all so that all might be saved. And yet, like with Pharaoh, right? Even though he saw the mighty works of God, he heard the word of God through through, through, through Moses, his heart was hardened and God hardened it all the more. Right? He gave him over to the lust of his heart. So, um, yeah, and Pharaoh's the only one to blame for that, not God. Pharaoh's the one to blame. The, the seeds that are scattered, the sower, it goes on hard ground uh -huh. or on rock or on fertile ground. That's right. Isn't that? That's uh, how the parable goes. You know, yeah. He's given it to everybody, but yeah. If, but yeah. Well, what can we pray for for these people? Um, for the people who are hardened hearts and things like well, that, or the, people who just don't know. Yeah. Pray that. Um, pray that God would send someone to preach the word to them, or at least give them a Bible or walk them through. The, you know. Pray that the word would be delivered to them and that that word would do its work, right? That the Holy Spirit would do his work through that word. Their hearts would be open to that it. That their hearts would be open to it, that that the gift of the Holy Spirit would be given to them and, the, and that they would not reject it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the most basic, that's, that's the most basic thing I can say about that. Because, yeah, it's really sad. You don't, and, and we, being Christians, have the heart of God and that we want to see everybody saved too. And it grieves us just like it grieves God when people don't and when they actually reject and push away and say, no, I don't want that. I don't need that. You keep it for yourself or go whatever, you know, something more horrible than that. So yeah, it's, it's really sad. Um, it's grievous. Um, but that's, and it's also very sad because those who were not given these things, it sounds strange, but even what they have will be taken away. And we don't want that for people. It's why we try and do what we can to share the gospel, to share God's word, right? Uh, the law and the gospel so that they would know of salvation. Okay. Um, Luke 8, 18 Let's just keep on going here. Luke 8, 18. I said I would get it, right? Um, Luke 8, 18 says, um, Jesus said, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So similar to what we just read in Matthew. Notice how Jesus teaches that understanding is given or taken away by God. What does this teach us about man's ability to receive God's word? So if God gives, what, is, what does that have to do with our ability to receive God's word? 
Do we do anything to receive God's word? He gives it to us freely. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, he gives it to us freely. We don't do anything to receive it. It is a pure gift, right? Given out of God's love for us. In the sense that uh, if you see, what is it? Um, people, I, I don't know, who in their right mind, when they're given a gift, congratulate themselves on receiving a gift? <laughs> see what I'm saying? It's like, you know, hey, we're going to give you this, this like, uh, we're going to give you this brand new car. And you go, wow, I can't believe that I was so smart and wonderful that I would be given this car. Well, on the Wheel of Fortune, you can find people kind of like that. Oh, that's very interesting. Right. Right? Well, they worked for it. Yeah, they worked for it. They spun that wheel. That's right. Uh, they guessed the phrase. They yeah. were smart enough to put the words that's together, right. the letters together to make words. Yeah. But, or maybe it's like, maybe it's like, you know, it's like Publishers Clearinghouse. You know, they just go to your door and like, here's this giant check. And you go, oh, yeah. I didn't do anything to receive that, you know. Uh, it's like, wow, this is so amazing. Um but that's that's it's, but like the, don't you also have to do something for publishers? I think you got to register. Yeah, you got to register at least. So, but that's not even like that. It's just yeah. like someone comes, you don't know them from anybody, and they knock and and they just knock on your door, say, "Hey, hey, Alice, um, you don't know me, but here's a thousand dollars. Have a nice day. God bless you." There, there, there <laughs> was a show a week before your time life. back yes. in the fifties. Yeah, and it was called The Millionaire. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it was about a guy that. Mr. Tipton, I think, was the millionaire. But anyway, he would just pick a person and get out there and give them a million bucks. Wow. And then the whole 30-minute show was what happened to that person once all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. The Either their life got turned upside down. Yeah. Or, yeah. Sometimes well, it was good. Sometimes it was Yeah, lottery winners for sure. Same thing. Yeah. Queen. Queen. Well, and, and, Queen for a day. Yeah, yeah, that was a one too. Nice. Yeah. And 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 with what's going on, I saw something with with what's going on. Y'all y'all know what's happening um, up in in um, in I can say it. It's just hard in East Palestine, mm -hmm. up in Ohio, mm -hmm. with oh, yeah. the train that the train got derailed, yeah. and it's like right next to people's homes, right. and it's in the water and all this stuff like that. Um, and, and and you know now. FEMA's finally getting in there. But before that, there's this one guy who puts videos on YouTube. He's a Christian and stuff like that. And he gets advertising revenue because they, they get so many people watching. You can make some decent money on YouTube if you get enough people watching because of the advertisers that advertise for you. Um, and you get, you get a kickback on it. And so what they did was he said, we looked back and we took all of the profits we got from the advertising from the videos we put on here. And we wanted to go and find the like 20 people or something like that. Um, uh, or yeah, 20 people in, in the area, uh, in, in, in like the closest proximity to where the train derailment happened. And we want to go to them and give them some money, $200, you know, 
cash. It's like, we just want to give this to you. Here, take this. I hope this helps. Or like, I, it was, or it was more than that, but they just like showed up and just said, you know, you didn't do anything, but just be in this place where this horrible thing happened and we just want to help and here's this and God bless you. And some of them were just like, looked at them just saying, who are you? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? What's the catch? It's like, no catch. We just, we just want to help. God bless you, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's something along that, along those lines where you just go, it's not just 200 bucks or a thousand bucks or a million dollars. It's something that will last you for all eternity, right? Um, that God offers. And none of those people said, it's like, oh, I'm so glad that I was so smart to live in East Palestine, Ohio, when this happened. Um, you know, whatever. You know, they, they were just so grateful and happy, joyful that someone was willing to do that for them. And that's what God does for us in greater, uh, in greater, greater, greater measure, right? Um, that we are completely passive in the regard to salvation and the power rests solely with God. Yeah. Um, well, let's go to Romans 3. This is the, the one with the double asterisk there, really important. Aster, uh, so it says Romans 3, 11 through 12. I'm going to get there. Yeah, here we go. Romans 3, verses 11 through 12. Um, Paul is, you know, St. Paul is saying, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks, after, seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not, not even one. Okay, so Paul is saying, St. Paul is quoting Psalms 14 and 53 to describe the state of the unbeliever's will. What can and does the unbeliever do towards God? Notice the completeness of the text, none, all, no, not one. So what, what can and does the unbeliever do towards God? Can you give me one word response? Just denying. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, okay. Um, in another sense, they not, can do... I mean, not one, not one does good, not even one. Yeah, they can do nothing. Right? They can do nothing. Yeah, nothing. They're worthless. Yeah. They're worthless, right? Yeah. No one does good, not even one. No one seeks, no one understands. Yeah. So, I mean, that is the completeness of the text. None, all, no, not one. Um, so that just kind of drives, drives the point home, right? Accordingly, the scriptures flatly call natural man in spiritual and divine things darkness. So um, we have, let me see here. Should we only focus on the asterisks now that we've gone a little long here? Do you want to do the whole thing? I'll leave it up to y'all. Just focus on the asterisks. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just kind of like run, run through them. Um, so who wants to do, as far as the asterisks, I'll just kind of cover briefly those texts and what they're asking and things like that. But Acts 26, 18, who's got Acts 26, 18? Who wants that one? I'll get it. 
And who wants Ephesians 2? I've got it. Okay. So as far as the other ones, Ephesians 5, 8, in its context, why does Paul call the unbeliever darkness? Okay. He does that. Well, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and... Okay, do you want to read that for us real quick since you got it? For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's it. That's it, yeah. <laughs> live as children of light. That's it. Yeah. Um, live as children of light. Yeah, so he. why does Paul call the unbeliever darkness? It's to emphasize their sinful state, right? They are, they are darkness. And so um, Acts 26, 18, who wants to read that? I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Right, so St. Paul is quoting Jesus who is promising to use Paul to preach to the Gentiles and convert them. How does Jesus describe the state of the unbeliever before and after their conversion? Remember to use the words of the text to answer. They're living in darkness. Mm-hmm. So the unbeliever before conversion is in darkness, and after conversion... It's in light. Light. That's right. So... Um, and then also before, so there's darkness and light, and there's two other uh, states there. What other states are there? From Satan to God. That's right. So um, from darkness to light and from Satan to God, to receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That is, that is Christ, right? Um. Yeah, so, and then John 1, 5 uh, is where it says the dark, that, that, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And so what is the darkness of this text, what is the darkness in this text describing when it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it? Sin? Yeah, the sinful state of the world, right? I would say. I mean, that's, John is very broad in the the terms that he uses of light and darkness so that it can be all-encompassing in that way. That it's the sinful state of the world, sin itself, right? Um, yeah, so uh, now the, I'm just going to keep pushing on here. Um, the Formula of Concord says the next part there, Likewise, the scriptures teach that man in sins is not only weak and sick, but defunct, and entirely dead. Okay. Um, who had Ephesians 2? I did. Okay, Ephesians 2, uh, verses 1, and then it says verse 1 and verse 5. Um, I forget whether or not it makes sense to read 1 through 5. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Yeah. So that's verses 1 through 5. I think in that gives us the full picture. He wants us to really focus, I think, on verses 1 and 5 where he says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. And then verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, um, you know, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Right? So this, these verses are particularly important and wonderfully clear. How does St. Paul describe the condition of the unbeliever? What does he say? You were what? Dead in your transgressions? Yeah, you're, you're, you're dead. Yeah. You're not alive in your sins. You're dead. Right? That's the, that's the key point there. That dead people, what can they do? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> they just lay there, right? They just lay there. They're, you know, dead dead people can do can do nothing, right? And that's the spiritual state of the unbeliever. They just can't do anything. Um, now Colossians two, three. Um, that's thirteen. Sorry, two thirteen. Thank you. Um, I got it. You got it? Colossians 2.13? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. Just that one verse. God yeah. made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it goes on there in verse 14, right? Can't, canceling the record of debt and things like that. So um, conversion is again described in this text. From what and to what is the Christian converted? From death to life. That's exactly right. He is converted from death to life. And those two things couldn't, I don't think there could be more polar opposites, right? Um, from death to life. Dead people can't do anything. They, they're, they're completely passive. Living people are active now, right? They're actually doing things. Um, so we see here for to to conclude for today um, from the formula of Concord. Now, just as a man who is who is is who is physically dead cannot of his own powers prepare or adapt himself to obtain temporal life again. So the man who is spiritually dead in sins cannot of his own strength adapt or apply himself to the acquisition of spiritual and heavenly righteousness and life unless he is delivered and quickened by the Son of God from, from the death of sin. Okay. Any thoughts on this so far? Well, kind of pretty much tells you that it's by faith. I mean, because you can't do anything. You're yeah, dead. <laughs> that's right. And it's, and, it, and, it, and it's the faith that God gives you to believe, right? Yeah. And that, even that's a gift. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of hard to reconcile with our reason and our understanding of things. But 
Faith is simply believing what God says. Yeah, and God says that faith is a gift. And you go, okay, I even believe that. And that's a gift. Wow, that's kind of crazy how that works, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Any other thoughts on this? Well, there's a closing hymn there. I don't know if y'all want to sing it. Um, my daughter can sing this. It's kind of funny. Charlotte knows this one. If I sang it, she'd, she'd start singing it. Um, uh, she knows... Actually, she knows both of those stanzas. It's kind of funny. I'll sing it for you if you want. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll count... and. After that, then we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Unless y'all have anything else you want to add for today? No? Okay, so this is how it goes. My own good works availed me not, no merit they attaining. Free will against God's judgment fought, dead to all good remaining. My fears increased till sheer despair left not but death to be my share. The pangs of hell I suffered. But God beheld my wretched state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great, he planned for my salvation. A father's heart he turned to me, sought my redemption fervently. He gave his dearest treasure. She doesn't know that one. That's TLH. She knows the LSB version. It's a little bit easier. All right, uh, let's close with the Lord's Prayer then. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.